This is Pastor Landon Davis. Thank you for joining me for our daily Bible study. We'll be reading from Galatians chapter 2 in the World English Bible today. Then, after a period of 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus also with me. I went up by revelation, and I laid before them the good news which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately before those who were respected for fear that I might be running or had run in vain. So Paul, in the first chapter, asserted that he had received divine revelation concerning the gospel. He had received it from the Lord. The Lord had called him to be an apostle. And he he acknowledges here, though, kind of it balances it out. He acknowledges that though he was called by the Lord himself and received this special uh, experience with the Lord and, and saw him on the Damascus road and, and all that went into Paul's conversion. He acknowledges here that he was not without peers or, or lacked accountability. When controversy arose, um, Paul was willing to go before the Jerusalem council and he says to lay before, which means to present his gospel for their examination. Verse three, but not even Titus who was with me being a Greek was compelled to be circumcised. This was because of the false brothers secretly brought in who stole in to spy out our liberty which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage, to whom we gave no place in the way of subjection, not for an hour, that the truth of the good news might continue with you. So Paul's letter to the Galatians is to protect them from the influence of the Judaizers. The first great controversy um, that they had whenever they went and began to evangelize among the Gentiles was when some of these people came, um, some of these Jewish believers came, and they were surprised to find that the Gentiles weren't keeping the law. Many of the practices of Judaism, the, the early church continued in them. It was the traditions of what they had always done. And though they they knew that they had been fulfilled in Christ, the ceremonial laws had pointed to Christ, um, they, they continued in what had always been their way of life and also in their field of labor where they were there in Jerusalem and the holy city or, or anywhere in the nation of Israel or among the Jews. There was no reason to be intentionally offensive by flaunting their liberties. And so they had continued largely under the law. And when they saw that the um, Gentile church was not, for some of these men, it offended them and they tried to uh, force the Gentile believers to begin to follow after the Jewish practices, the dietary laws, circumcision, etc. And so this is why Paul went back to settle this controversy. He he went before the council and he's he's having to deal with these problems that have been created. And, and this is why he's writing, as I mentioned, the letter to the Galatians here largely is because still the influence of the Judaizers is a problem in the early church. And so they are demanding these new converts live under the Jewish law to be considered saved or righteous or justified. And so Paul points out that when he went before the council and he spoke to the men that were the most esteemed, he took Titus, a Gentile, with him. And Titus wasn't compelled to be circumcised by the apostles or the leaders of the church in Jerusalem. Verse 6, 
But from those who are reputed to be important, whatever they were, it makes no difference to me. God doesn't show partiality to man. They, I say, who are respected imparted nothing to me, but to the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the good news for the uncircumcised, even as Peter with the good news for the circumcised, for he had he who worked through Peter in the apostleship with the circumcised also worked through me with the Gentiles. And when they perceived the grace that was given to me, James and Cephas, which is Peter, and John, who were reputed to be pillars, gave to Barnabas and me the right hand of fellowship, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcision. They only asked us to remember the poor, which very thing I was also zealous to do. So Peter, James, and John perceived that Paul had his own unique calling for this harvest field. He had a special calling to be an apostle to the Gentiles. And he had been entrusted by God with this, with this responsibility. And God had given him the grace to perform it. So Paul, we have the benefit of consulting the scriptures, but a lot of these things... um, what were you supposed to do with Gentiles who converted? Well, Paul, the Lord, had given him special revelation and wisdom and grace to handle these these situations properly. And so when they see that what he's doing is, is God-ordained, they extended fellowship to him and encouraged uh, that he and Barnabas would continue their gospel work among the Gentiles. And they also encouraged him to... Um, beyond just the the work of preaching in the gospel, be sure to help the poor and, and to minister to those that are in need. And Paul said he was already zealous to do that, that it was already a work that he was doing. Verse 11, But when Peter came to Antioch, I resisted him to his face, because he stood condemned. For before some people came from James, he ate with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back, and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews joined him in his hypocrisy, so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. So Peter came to Antioch, where Paul was working. And initially, um, Peter, who's this great leader of the church, can you imagine if they're hearing the story of Jesus? You can't tell the story of Jesus without Peter. So they would surely would have heard of him, and then he arrives and he's there, and he's eating with them, and fellowshipping with them, and what a great boost it would have been for the early church to hear his firsthand experiences, and then um, this isn't an issue for Peter. It would have been out of place for Jews. Um, They had many laws restricting their, not just the law of Moses that restricted the food that they could consume, but they had additional laws that their leaders had made, um, within Judaism that that restricted um, interactions with Gentiles. And so they weren't to sit at the table with Gentiles. And and in that day, uh, everyone would have been familiar with that. But here was Peter uh, fellowshipping with them, enjoying their presence. And again, what a great boost it would have been for the early church to see how we're all one in Christ. And Peter, he had this revelation from God. Remember in Acts where we read, he saw a vision and the Lord told him not to call unclean what he had called clean. It had all these meats that the Jews would have considered unclean. And then he was sent to Cornelius's house and uh, he was there and he preached the first message to the Gentiles. 
They were filled with the Spirit, uh, with evidential tongues, just like on the day of Pentecost. They were baptized in the name of the Lord. And so Peter had opened the door of salvation to the Gentiles. And so he had no qualms about the Gentiles. He had no qualms about eating with the Gentiles. And um, later, though, these Jews came to join them as well. And Paul noticed that Peter was no longer sitting with the Gentiles, but when the the Jewish brothers had separated themselves as they were accustomed to doing, Peter had joined them. And Peter evidently knew that they would be offended by his close association with the Gentiles and with their unclean foods. And so, to be fair, he was probably just seeking to keep the peace. But Paul realized that what he was doing was going to hurt this new church, these Gentile converts, and not just initially the feeling of rejection, but it was going to open the door for these Judaizers that had been causing so much trouble, and they could use this as evidence that the Gentiles needed to keep the law, that they needed to live like Jews. If they wanted to really be a part of the church, if they expected to ever really be justified. And so Paul feels that he must address this. Verse 14, But when I saw that they didn't walk uprightly according to the truth of the good news, I said to Peter before them all, If you, being a Jew, live as the Gentiles do and not as the Jews do, why do you compel the Gentiles to live as the Jews do? We, being Jews by nature and not Gentile sinners, yet knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ, even we believe in Christ Jesus that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because no flesh will be justified by the works of the law. But if while we sought to be justified in Christ, we ourselves also were found sinners, is Christ a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I build up again those things which I destroyed, I prove myself a lawbreaker. For I through the law died to the law that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I don't reject the grace of God, for if righteousness is through the law, then Christ died for nothing. Now, I don't know how much of that Paul was saying directly to Peter and how much, as he's explaining what he said, he decided to expound here. If he said all that to Peter at once... I'm sure Peter's eyes were wide open. It probably took a minute to try to process what Paul was saying. But the rebuke here is public. He he says he rebuked him because what Paul what Peter had done, his mistake was a public wrong and it impacted more people than just Paul and Peter, but it impacted all of those believers. And so since it was a public mistake, Paul handled it publicly. And this doesn't mean that Paul was divisive or a troublemaker. In fact, it was just the opposite. He knew if he ignored it, it would cause division and it would split the church. And so every once in a while, certainly confrontation shouldn't be our go-to, but sometimes things have to be addressed, especially by leaders of the church. And so Paul publicly called out the apostle Peter and, because, and he recognized that Peter wasn't walking uprightly. And so he corrected him in front of them all because he wanted Peter to realize it. But he also wanted the the Gentiles and the other Jews, even Barnabas now, had started to separate himself. 
from the Gentiles. And so he wanted everyone to see that Peter was in the wrong. And it's a testimony to the character of Peter that whenever Paul rebuked him, that Peter evidently received it and repented of his ways. Because we see years later when Peter writes about Paul in in 2 Peter, his second epistle, he called Paul his beloved brother. He said they were preaching the same message. And he referred to Paul's letters as scriptures. And so this didn't cause a divide between Peter and Paul. What it did by addressing the situation before it grew into something larger, it was able to bring unity to the church. So Paul says, how how could they expect the Gentiles to live like the Jews when Peter himself no longer kept these ceremonial laws concerning meats? And Paul stated that no man can be justified by the law or what was the purpose of Christ dying? They had been freed from the obligations of the law through Christ. Now, this doesn't mean you're free from righteous living, but the Old Testament system where you had your sacrifices and your priests and you had all of these um, laws, certainly there were moral laws and we're still commanded to live morally, but many laws that were ceremonial, that were intended to separate the people, that were intended to um again, point to what Christ was going to do or that pointed back to what the Lord had done for those people, for for that nation, but not necessarily for the world at large. Uh, There were many aspects to the law, and he said we're freed from that obligation. If the law was still required and Christ came and attempted to provide another way of salvation, well then, Peter, Paul, and even Christ would be considered transgressors of the law. And so, I mean, think of Paul and Peter. They were Jews, so they were born under the law of Moses. They received circumcision, which was a sign of covenant commitment under the law of Moses. And then, so they're dedicated to God under this law of Moses. So they would be obligated. Their life has been given back to God according to the law. And so they would have been obligated to keep the law. Paul argues this same thing in Romans 7 when he compares it to a woman making a lifetime commitment to her husband when she's married. She has to be faithful until they are separated by death. And so here, this is Paul's justification for the liberty that he's found in Christ. It's not that he's simply rejecting the Old Testament law and breaking the laws and it's not going to matter. He's saying, I'm not bound by that law anymore. I don't have to follow through with all of these practices any longer because as a believer, he's been crucified with Christ. He's died to that. So the law has no hold on him. When, When we're born again, the old man has to die first. So we're buried with him in baptism we're raised in new life by faith uh, and, and received the Spirit to raise us up. And so our, our old man, our old allegiances, our old obligations, if they're contrary to Christ, they're voided because the old man has died. And so he said for us to turn back to the law, for believers to turn back to the law seeking justification, signifies that they've rejected the grace of God. And this was quite a controversy in the first church. And 
I had never heard of such things in our day until the last few years, and there's quite a movement um, that's growing largely because the influence of the internet, sadly, where people are feeling that they are obligated to go back and observe these Old Testament commandments regarding foods, regarding the Sabbath, regarding um, some even try to keep different feasts. And it's a mixing of, of Christianity with uh, the Old Covenant of Moses. And they say, well, that's because it's our Jewish roots. Um, there's certainly nothing wrong with um observing the Sabbath. There's nothing wrong with eating according to the Old Testament scriptures. But if you make that a part of the plan of salvation, if if you make these Old Testament practices necessary for justification, it's a very dangerous thing because he said to go back to that is to reject the grace of God and Christ's death has no meaning in your life. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. I ask that you would give us understanding. Help us to have full assurance in you. Help us to be obedient, to keep the faith. Help us to see the great sacrifice that you paid for us at Calvary, that it's sufficient. We thank you for all that you've done and for your grace in Jesus' name. God bless you. Thank you for listening. Join me again tomorrow for another episode.